On today's insights, social recruiting strategies for passive job seekers. We talk employment branding, what is an EVP, and why do you need one? And we talk about re-engaging passive candidates. How can you convert passive candidates to fill job openings? Today's episode is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Do you have too many job openings going unfilled? Is the solution to just spend more on job ads? Absolutely not. But to succeed in a market like we're facing right now, you need to take a different approach to job advertising. Forget post and pray, forget annual contracts. If you want to fill more of your open jobs, you need a centralized, data-driven, automated solution to managing your job spend. A solution that gives you more control and more flexibility. That's where we come in. With Haley Marketing's Job Advertising Management Services, we use programmatic software to automate your spending. So you save time, reduce wasted spend, and get more people applying to your jobs without having to spend more on advertising. For a free review of your job spend, contact us at 888-696-2900 or visit recruitmentmarketers.com. This is Insights. Welcome to Insights. Tips and best practices from the insiders at Haley Marketing. Insights will provide you with the tools you need to master your social media, digital marketing, and employer branding. Your hosts for Insights are Brad Biley and Matt Lozar. What's up? This is Brad Biley, and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are we feeling this week, buddy? We're doing great, Brad. How are you? I'm great. Coming back from Haley's first speaking engagement in 15 months. So incredibly fired up and charged up here. I'm happy for you because I know how passionate you are about speaking. And it was it was good for you to, to get back out there and, and educate with something you're really passionate about. It's a great time. I want to give a shout out to the National Insurance Recruiters Association. Met a great group of people there in Clearwater last week. For listening to the podcast, want to give you a great hello and thank you for continuing to listen to Insights. Matt, we're also joined by a very special guest today, co-host of the Secrets of Staffing Success podcast, co-CEO at Haley Marketing. He's David Cerns. David, how are we feeling? Awesome, guys. Uh, so glad to be here. David, for anybody listening right now who might not be familiar with who you are and who Haley Marketing is, why don't you give us the 30-second business card? What is it that you do at Haley? What is it that we do at Haley? You got the floor. I'm the old guy here. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> for 25 years, we've been trying to help make it easier for staffing companies to sell and recruit. Um, once upon a time, you know, I was the guy who did everything on the front lines. And today, now I'm more the one who focuses on where we're going. And uh, we, we use a business model you're familiar with called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Uh, the seat that everybody threw me in is called the visionary. So my job is to think about products, our own marketing, uh, and basically help develop uh, all you guys so that you don't need me anymore. Well, David, it's great to have you on the show. If you haven't checked out the interview portion of Secrets of Staffing Success, Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast player. Our co-CEOs, David Cerns and Victoria Kenward, host an incredible interview show on the off weeks that you don't get insights in that podcast. All right, guys, let's get to the show. 
social recruiting strategies for passive job seekers. Guys, right now, it's no secret. It is incredibly difficult to find good talent, whether it's active or passive. Matt, you're seeing it across the board. I know you look at numbers from Indeed pretty much by the day. It, I'm going to get it to you first. Is it getting any easier to find candidates right now? The one word answer is no. It's, it's not getting easier. You know, the data is playing it out. Conversion rates are down. The application costs are going up. And it's been interesting. I feel like we saw it early because we have data, but now it's really starting to get national attention with outside of this industry. If you think restaurants seem to gain a lot of attention. So restaurants not being able to find workers is a big change. And now slowly it feels states are starting to eliminate some of the extra unemployment benefits, which they're hoping will help have people re-enter the workforce because the April jobs report wasn't good either. We were expecting really big jobs growth. And I think it was 260 some thousand jobs. It was, it was much lower than expectations. And that may have been a sign for people who aren't looking at it every day. We have a, we have some, a problem that needs to be addressed. And David, you're talking with probably dozens of clients throughout the week. Are you hearing the same things Matt's hearing? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's everywhere. Um, we, you know, certainly can, it's understandable. Matt highlighted the data, you know, people can make a lot of money right now staying at home. And a lot of people, you know, if you do the math for a lot of the, the average worker in America is between 40 and 50,000. I think family income is just over 50,000. So if you have a family of four and you got $1,400 times four people in one month, that's a huge percentage of your annual income. And if you're not someone who normally knows how to save, it's not a habit, you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's a windfall. So it created a disincentive temporarily to work, but we are hearing it from everybody, but it's not limited to the lower level jobs. You know, you, we're seeing that there's going to be this, this mass exodus of people leaving employment as we're, we come back to working in offices as companies fight with what are their policies going to be it's going to be a real struggle to get new talent and even to retain talent in the coming months. So what do we do about it? I know we're working with hundreds of companies throughout the country, staffing, recruiting firms, trying to help generate this traffic from passive job seekers. If right now the limited number of active job seekers exists, what do we do from a social recruiting standpoint to generate some passive job seekers, get somebody to consider a staffing firm, get somebody to consider a role. David, let's start with you. I was going to say, I'm, I get the easy part of the answer. We'll let, we'll let Matt take the hard end of this. Sure. All right. So, you know, if you think about it, there's, there, your messaging needs to change. Historically, when you're trying to hire, your messaging has been, I've got a job, don't you want it? And now your messaging has to be, why should you work with a staffing company? Period. Because most job seekers don't even think about our industry. Then why specifically should you work with my staffing company? What makes me different? Why should you choose me? But right now, it may be as simple as, why should you work? Why is it important to put yourself out into the workforce? And you know, what are some of those messages? And you know, Matt, you and I brainstormed this already. You know, things like, hey, the best paying jobs are available right now. If you were looking for a full-time opportunity come summer or fall and you've already been working, you're going to be first in line to get that full-time opportunity. If you look at the long-term income into your household, it's greater by working now than by sitting on the sidelines. Matt, what are, what are some of the th ideas you have for messaging? It's very similar to that, David. I think it's 
it's finding that balance between making sure that message is correct because you want to make sure people re-enter the workforce for the right reasons and you're not, you know, you're you're not insulting them. I know there could be some people if you read, you get deep into the social media world and not saying some of the messaging we've suggested is like that, but just why aren't people working? They're just lazy collecting unemployment, watching Netflix all day. You know, they should just be going to work because you go to work. So you have to really create those reasons about, you know, the employment gaps on your resume, you know, help show the financial side. Like David said, you're going to have more income for your family come fall and winter and moving forward. So whatever you can do with those best jobs or even just how staffing agencies and we can into this more with employer branding, you know, how they can help train people or just upskill them. Or, you know, we were talking to a company in Northeast Ohio, how one of the companies they place for 80% of their temp to perm employees go to full time. That could be an enormous opportunity right now to get people to have that messaging in your social recruiting to say, Hey, four out of five people that we put to work here have a full-time job in X amount of weeks. That's powerful. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. something else there, Matt, the upskilling. A lot of employers right now are willing to take on somebody who may have transferable skills, may need to be trained because they're so desperate for talent. They'll take you on and now you can raise your level of skills. And for the rest of your life, you're making more money because you took advantage of this time. The other one I joke with people about is this is the time to be telling people, maybe specifically on social, uh, it's time to get your spouse off the couch, get him back to work. Um, but but and I said that tongue in cheek, but the reality is, is working gives us a sense of self-worth. And even if you're making a lot of money, when you're not working, it starts to have a mental toll and you can help people regain that sense of self-worth by giving them a job. You guys are spot on. For me, it's, it's thinking through how you sell the job and how you sell staffing and, and why. It starts with why, Matt, we've talked about Simon Sinek a dozen times on this podcast, start with why. It's not the what that you're selling, the job, it's why the job. Start there and then get into what the actual role is. We as an industry have a funny way of trying to pre-qualify candidates before we even sell them on the role. Matt, we've also said episode one of Secrets of Staffing Success, Jennifer Lambert, you have to sell the job like a beer commercial, not like the ingredients on the back of the beer can. It's not just what is in the role, make it appealing to someone who right now doesn't want to work. What are you doing to do that? David, you had a couple of great ideas. Anything else from a, a tactical, um, even maybe strategy level on how to attract these passive job seekers? Well, I want to flip it around for a second, Brad, because I want to bring in your expertise here because changing your messaging was one thing. But you know, you know, socials are really crowded right now, and there's also a risk. I read a story just yesterday. Um, I think it was shared in, in Slack for our team. A lady in the uh, Washington Post or Washington Times wrote an article about coming back to work, and she was trying to express what it might look like. And as a business owner, I didn't take her article as a negative, but then I started to dig into the comments. To say she got skewered, was putting it mildly. And there were like 5,000 plus comments, very few that were positive about this poor lady who was just trying to express what's the potential pro and con of ending remote work. It was amazing. And I think when we get to messaging, we have to think about how am I going to reach people? So, you know, when we think about creating a 
strategy for social recruiting, but how do we reach those people on social? Dynamite question. Taking your message to the right person at the right time is critical. We can't use social media as a megaphone and we can't just see social as a way to blast our messaging to thousands of people. How can we get our messaging to the right people? It starts with your why. Why should someone follow you in the first place? Why do you have followers in Buffalo, New York? What are their pain points? What are their biggest challenges right now? What speaks to them? Getting involved with advertising. Are you using a very targeted segmented list or are you just targeting everybody within a hundred miles of Buffalo, New York? Are you using a re-engagement list? We're going to talk about re-engagement in a little bit. Are you segmenting that? If you're working through different roles in different industries, is your imagery reflective of that? Is the opportunity reflective of that? I think Matt's messaging idea of, hey, this is a temp job now, but think about what it could lead to in four weeks is critical. You need to make sure that you have the right messaging. And then David, to your point, you need to watch the comment section. There's things that we can do to mitigate risk. We can set up page moderation to make sure that there's no profanity or anything negative on your page, but we can't shut off the comments. And it's sort of a double-edged sword. We all sit here and crave the viral nature of social media. We want to see hundreds of comments, but I know, David, I mean, as a co-CEO here of Haley Marketing, you don't want 100 comments if it's at the risk of everybody calling us out in the comments section either. No, I never so bought that message that any publicity is good publicity. I know, I know. So it's, it's about having, I, I truly believe a why, having a purpose. We say all the time, every post has to have a purpose. Before you click publish, what are you trying to do with it? Are you trying to incite a riot and get people to, to sound off in the comments? Or are you trying to add really good, strong value into why someone should work with a staffing firm, why somebody should get back to work, and how that's going to end up setting them up for success in the future? Yeah, Brad, I, I don't have, man, I'm going to ask your thoughts in just a second, but it's, you know, it's, you, you mentioned the word segmentation a couple of times. And I don't see a lot of staffing companies really thinking about, well, I've got audience A and audience B and audience C. And who do I want to reach? What are they really like? And what social media do, do they use? I see people almost doing the opposite. Oh, I need to be on TikTok right now because everyone's talking about TikTok. And they're, they're letting the channel direct the strategy rather than the strategy direct the channel. But Matt, I'm going to go to you here on getting people's attention. So a passive job seeker, we're trying to do social recruiting. How do we get people's attention when their feed's filled with who knows what? It's interesting because I just saw a study from CareerArc on this where they looked at the data from passive versus active job seekers. What do they want? What are they looking for? And, you know, we've always, one of the things we've done at Haley Marketing with our re-recruiting campaigns where we try to re-engage people is the grass is always greener mentality almost, you know, and that's when you're looking for a job, you know, even passively, we've said the day you come home and the straw broke the camel's back, you've been there with that messaging for, for Brad when he's ready to look for a new job or Matt, if he's ready, ready to look for a new job. So have that mentality now for a passive job seeker. If someone who is employed or even someone who's unemployed, just, you know, show the benefits. Like now is it like the grass it's I've said it five times, but that's the mentality to get someone to take a new job. You know, it's, I'm just sick of this routine in my office every day. Maybe, your company's making you go back to work in the office. And if you're a company that's going to do remote work or a hybrid approach of two days a week in the office or a week on week off, 
promote that and talk to people about that because that's going to get the passive job seeker to shift to active job seeker. I think that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about selling the experience of the job and we're talking about selling the experience of working with a staffing firm. If you're unhappy that you have to go back to the office five days a week, well, then now's a perfect time to passively look for a job that lets you stay home three days a week. And we just need to change the messaging to make sure that we're conveying that effectively. You know, Brad, maybe think one other thing is the, uh, you know, you, you hear about it in social all the time, FOMO, fear of missing out. And I actually think this is a huge opportunity right now for staffing companies in their messaging. What's the fear of missing out? Hey, there are jobs paying a buck, two bucks an hour higher than they've paid ever. Um, you wait. It may not stay at that level. There are companies that you can get into right now that you wait, they're not going to have any openings because they're the most desired employers. So that you, I think that FOMO can be strongly used in people's messaging right now to get more people to go from passive to active. That salary tactic's a good one because maybe warehouse positions are all of a sudden paying $18, $20 an hour. That might last forever. It might not last forever. So now's the time to to work at that higher wage level and use a marketing tactic of, you know, you know, you're missing out on a deal if you're not taking this job. It's the almost the opposite mentality of buying a TV that's on sale. Go to work now while you'll you'll make more money. Matt, I saw an article over the weekend that somebody was talking about the reasons people aren't going to work. And they said the average warehouse job was paying $26 an hour. I'm like, I want to know where this person looked for average. Maybe, maybe downtown San Francisco. <laughs> If you want to learn more about staffing, messaging, and positioning 101, we have an excellent Lunch with Haley webinar that we recorded just a couple of years ago called Positioning 101, Make Your Staffing Company Stand Out. You could go to lunchwithhaley.com, click on Webinars on Demand at the top and find that Lunch with Haley presentation, or you can click the link to that presentation in the show notes below. Hey, it's Brad checking in real quick before segment two. Why can't we get our people to share our content? We hear this a lot from staffing firms. NetSocial was created to get all your people in the game. Salespeople, recruiters, managers. You select the content you want people to share. NetSocial automates the sharing to get your jobs, blogs, and videos in front of more job seekers and staffing decision makers. By getting your team to share your company content, you'll get dramatically more reach, more engagement, and most importantly, more results from your social media marketing. For a free demo, contact us at 888-696-2900 or visit netsocialapp.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Guys, let's talk employment branding. What is an EVP and why do you need one? Matt, this is your sweet spot, buddy. Talk to us about EVP. Get us started. EVP is a acronym for employee value proposition. Why should I work for you? What are the benefits that I get out of working for your company as opposed to Matt Staffing Agency or David Staffing Agency? What's, what's the benefit to me at the end of the day? And when we think through why every staffing firm needs one, I'll be honest, the, the, the clients and the individuals that I've had the opportunity to work with while I've been here at Haley, I'm not sure every single one of them has an EVP. Matt, David, when you're consulting with individuals throughout the industry, what's the percentage of, of owners, maybe David, this is best for you, 
who've actually sat down and conceptualized what their EVP is. It's interesting. When you, when you talk to companies about their value proposition, a lot of them have done it thinking about the client side. You know, what's the value we offer to the employer? And I hate to say this, maybe, maybe the healthcare companies are a little bit different, but other than the, the travel nursing and, and other healthcare companies, I can't think of one where bef- when we sat down with them, they said, this is our value proposition for talent. And then we start to question them. They mostly think about characteristics of the jobs they offer, the clients they work with, or the, just at a kind of a generic level, you know, well, we provide really great service. We're good at communicating. We don't, we make people feel important, but it's not defined. It's not clearly written out. It's, it's not a big sign on the wall that says, here's our value you know, to the target audience. This is what we offer. This is what you can't get anywhere else. I don't see that. Matt, do you agree? Are, are you seeing the same? Hundred percent agree. I, I can't remember a really good example, or even like David just said, any example to where an EVP really stands out for for candidates or you know employees, workers in in the industry. You see it a lot outside the industry. You know, that's where we try to do a lot of our research. If it's off the top of my head, some of the you know CVS pharmacy is one that's usually held up at a pretty high standard, or um, I think Cisco, you know, the tech company is really well, or even one that stuck out to me. And I don't know if it's still true, but McDonald's America's best first job. Yep. Kind of stand. And it's a tagline. It's not really a full EVP, but it brings you in to start looking at it because how many people started at McDonald's? It's if you want to have a first job, have the best one. And Matt, I don't know if you've seen, there's a local casino here in West New York where we are that they're running commercials, your best eight hours. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. That's simple to draw somebody in. And once you, if they're passive, if they're looking for a job that just keeps going in there, you know, they hear it a lot. You know, we say, you have to say it seven times or more to get someone to remember. And then, Oh, I'm ready to look for a job today. I want to go somewhere. That's the best eight hours of my day. That sounds fun. So where do we get started? Let's, let's picture, you know, a, a recruiters listening right now, maybe not a business owner listening right now, but somebody that's just working in the structure of a staffing or recruiting firm. Where do we get started guys? So let me, I like to say, take that one first. So yep. I think a value proposition, whether it's an employee value proposition or on the client side, it starts with your company values. Mm-hmm. What do you stand for? Your value as a staffing company, your value as an employer should derive from what your company is all about. And once you've thought about your values, then you think about, well, how do our values translate to a different kind of service experience? What's our promise? We're making a brand promise to everybody we hire that it's going to be better working for us than it is for any other staffing company. Then maybe it is for the direct employer. We also have to think about what matters to our audience. Like that EVP not only has to be, here's why we're wonderful, but we have to be wonderful in a way that matters to people. So are we faster? Are we more thorough? Do we demonstrate a higher level of caring? Do we have a better process defined? Uh, and then the last part of that, the characteristics of the EVP is it should be believable. Don't make promises that are pie in the sky absolutes. You know, we're the best ever at providing service to candidates. If you, when you go absolute, it almost instantly kills your credibility. EVP is more about carving out your slice of the pie that you're going to own compared to everybody else. Here's where we're better. I love thinking through what matters most. And I love the what's in it for me, right? So if I brand by the candidate, I have options. Anywhere I look, whether it's through a staffing firm, through a direct employer, through a job board, anywhere I go, 
any store in Buffalo right now, I have so many options. The what matters and what's in it for me is critical. And I think that can then relate really well to your messaging, what it is that you're selling. Our segment one on social recruiting strategies, it, it blends into that. It blends into all other areas of your marketing. So David, thinking through then, we have our who we are, we have our core values that leads into really our EVP. Do you just start workshopping that? You get out the, the napkin or the, the sheet of paper and just start thinking through it? Or is that a team meeting? Where do you go from there? Get your recruiters together. Like they know who they've talked to and what parts of the service mattered. Where do client, where do candidates complain? Where do candidates write testimonial letters back saying, we love you? What have you done that made people feel special? Build on your successes because the things you're already doing in your process are probably your EVP. You just haven't written the words out. I love the thought of building on your success. Oftentimes when we talk on insights about looking at testimonials, it's really about looking at the negatives and using that as an opportunity to get better. Not staying complacent with the positives, but looking at your negatives and saying, hey, here's a small tweak we can make to our process because we keep hearing about it. Building on your success though, and using that to build your messaging, to build your EVP makes total sense. Why reinvent the wheel if someone's already telling you what it is that they love about you? You just use a key word too, process. So once you've figured out what makes you special, then you have to flip it around and say, is it tied into everything we do? Is it part of our process? If I look at my website, is that message on the website? If I look at how we train people, are they trained to deliver that EVP? If I look at our policies and our procedures, are they in alignment with our company values and that value proposition? Everything has to line up so the process creates consistent delivery of the promise. That consistent delivery, I heard this somewhere in one of the um, employer brand newsletters I read, I think it's James Ellis, but he was talking about branding is that half second decision you make. When you hear a name, you know, the easy ones, Wegmans locally in the you know, Northeast, you think of something. Disney's the most common example, but boom, you have, it, you have an image of it and a thought about it right away. What can you do for your company when somebody says your company name, what they hear about working for you, which probably was formed by opinions of someone who worked for you or just not what you're saying, but what people are hearing about you. So David, you mentioned three talking points here really about how to craft your EVP. Get us out of the segment here and just recap those one more time for us. Absolutely. So the characteristics of an EVP is it should be tied to your company's values. It should matter to the talent, the audience you want to reach. And it should be believable. All right, guys, let's close out the show and get to segment three in re-engaging passive candidates. How can you convert passive candidates to fill job openings? Whole show has been about finding great talent, about finding passive talent, showcasing yourself to those individuals, having a message that speaks to those individuals. But Matt, what we see and what I've seen, and I know you were on a call with a, a client of ours a couple of weeks ago. Staffing firms, stereotypically, historically, aren't going back to those mm -hmm. passive candidates. They're looking for a new draft class every single time. And Matt, it was a shocking conversation, and, and we have a really good relationship with the client. We were pretty blunt about it. Why? You've, you've put so much work into generating this candidate pool. Why are you always going back to finding a new draft class instead of re-engaging and redeploying these other candidates? Matt, when we think about re-engaging passive candidates that have already worked with a staffing firm, where should we get started? 
there's a lot of good answers to this and I'm going to, I'm going to take it in a way Start that with one. How about that? One. And I'm not going <laughs> to steal yours. I hope you better not, <laughs> but I only got one answer. I'm going to go with automation. And we did a LinkedIn live yesterday with Jeff stats, the CMO here at Haley marketing. We talked about how to use automation to fill more of your open job orders. And it's going back to that database that is unique to your company. Literally, no one else in the world has that exact database. And you've paid a lot of money for that database. And job board costs are going up, up 30% since March 11th. That's a problem. So if we can re-engage it through automation by just sending out a message every Sunday with you know, a text message to the people in your, in your database that says, are you available to work this week? And have that update in your database. So then if it's Sunday or Monday, when job orders keep rolling in, we always hear how Monday's exceptionally busy for a staffing agency. You have a list knowing what percentage of those people in your database can work today or tomorrow or that week. So there's a ton we could go into with automation. We did a really good job with Jeff on LinkedIn Live, where he's become the resident expert on our team with, with automation. And it's a great way to, to personalize that messaging that we've talked about here on Insights before the mass personalization or customization of your message to reach a lot of people. Yeah. So I was going to talk automation too. That's cool. I appreciate you taking <laughs> that from me, but I'm going to talk about email marketing. And I just said I was out speaking at the Naira conference last week and had a great slide on database management. And it had two examples on there. All email based. The first is from Instacart. I love using Instacart for groceries. My wife loves using Instacart for our groceries. The best part about it, once a week, we get an email from them. Big, bold button that says, reorder your items with one click. You click the button and it repopulates your shopping cart based on what you've purchased in the past. We are you know, creatures of habit. We like the same fruits. We like the same vegetables, but it allows us to populate that cart. Are you doing that with jobs? Are you reaching out to a segmented list and saying, hey, it seems like you were interested in X in the past, apply again or reach out again or schedule a chat with us again, but prompting people to come back. Another great example, as I landed in Tampa last week, called my first Uber in probably a year and a half. Immediately after scheduling that car, I got an email, subject line, welcome back. We've missed you, Brad. Not only did they welcome me back, they said my name right in the subject line. Nothing makes me feel better than having my name in a subject line. But then when I opened it up, big, bold font at the top that says, so happy you're here. We have some exciting changes for you. And they walk through everything that they've done since COVID-19, since my last ride. Are we doing that with candidates? Do you know that Matt Lozar applied to your job six months ago and is now applying again? Has your process changed, whether that's the interview process, the onboarding process? Are you working a little remote, maybe all, all on assignment or on location rather? How have your processes changed? And are you using strategic automation, scheduling that customization where you have that customization slash automation, putting names and subject lines? Are you using the data that you have to your advantage? David, when you think through re-engaging a candidate database, you have, let's say, thousands of individuals that you've worked with in the past. There's a core group of those individuals who you've put on assignment, you've put out on location. What else could we do with that group of people? 
my head's spinning on the, the example of the segmentation and personalization. I absolutely love that. And I don't see anybody doing that effectively in the staffing industry. That is such an opportunity. But you know, if you don't have that ability, even simple things, okay, how can I connect with people? Well, I can use texting applications. I can use email applications. I can have our recruiters pick up the phone. Um, if you're doing higher level professionals, I can use physical mail and get back in touch with people. So it kind of goes back to that EVP. I can use any channel of communication, but it's just that. It's a channel of communication. I have to have the right message. Why does this person want to come back to work? Why do they want to work for me again now? What can I offer today that's going to get them either back in the workforce or away from my competitor where they may be working right now? So I'm going to try to use any and every channel of communication and focus a lot of my effort on the messaging. But I'm absolutely now going to look at that segmentation and personalization because I think it's huge. There's a company I work with in Pennsylvania. They literally brought back one or two people, I think first week of May. They're going back. I forget to what year in their database the company started. It felt like 1996 is in my head for some reason. They're calling every single person to try to re-engage them. And that's a tough assignment for the recruiters that are doing it, but there was some success in the first couple of days. So that's one way that you know David just talked about. It could be texting. It could be physical mail, but it's also picking up the phone and calling someone. And that messaging on me when that person picks up is probably is vitally important because if they haven't heard from Matt's staffing agency in seven months or 17 years, you got to be really smart with that messaging. But it, it's it's a unique way to reach out to people. Yeah, not just recruiting. Think about how many of those people are now also potential clients. I mean, that's got to be huge for business development, the accidental gain from trying to reconnect with all your candidates. I was, I was going to take that the other way and say, how many of those people now have kids or have relatives who need work, right? If you worked with somebody, you helped them with a job 17 years ago, they're at a drastically different point in their life right now, reaching out and just saying, hey, Matt, remember when, remember when we worked together? That was pretty cool, right? <laughs> What's going on now? And just having a, a cup of coffee conversation, right? We're not trying to sell on that first call. We're just checking in and seeing how things are going. Imagine the opportunity that could come out of that. Guys, anything else while we wrap up here? Nothing for me. I think we hopefully helped with some ideas, bigger picture and smaller picture to help with this continuing challenge. One thing that sticks out to me from David and and Vicky's interview with Tom Kosnick and Catherine Kosnick from the Vices Group is when Tom said, recruiting is going to be a true a very difficult challenge for the next two to three years, I think was his time frame, And it might change a little bit if, you know, government assistance is adjusted or whatnot, but, you know, Tom is very aware of what's going on in the industry. And for him to say that, that means develop, you need short-term tactics, but you also need those medium and long-term tactics that are going to help you to keep the pipeline in your bench filled with the right candidates. Yeah, for me, if it's funny, Brad, you said anything else in my first time, I went, now you've stumped the band. I don't have anything else. We've, we've talked about a lot of ideas, but really it's to not panic. And it's, do you have a goal? How many candidates do I need? What's the volume? Do I have a strategy? Where can I find those candidates? What are the, what are the things I can do to attract people by changing my messaging, by changing my method of outreach, by changing my, the ways people can take action, then putting the tactics into place. Not everything's going to work. You're going to have to work harder remember Mike Jackatote saying about sales about 12 months ago, saying you're going to have to work 
twice as hard for half the results. Yeah, well, he was foreshadowing recruiting. Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time here. If somebody's listening right now and they need a hand, they don't know where to get started with their database management, with crafting their EVP, how can Haley Marketing help? Well, the best thing to do is to give us a call. And this sounds like totally self-serving, but it's not a sales pitch. The first call is when we consult. And it's something we do for free to look at what people are doing and come back with a list of recommendations. And they can be real simple things that people can go do on their own, or they may be more involved services where Haley Marketing can help out. But if you call, you'll talk to Matt, you'll talk to Kathy, you'll talk to me, talk to our other marketing consultants on our team. And we're going to look at what you're trying to accomplish, where the gaps are, and what you can do next. It's the easiest next step. David, thanks so much for coming on this episode of Insights and sharing your insights with us. Thanks, guys. This is awesome. That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us? You could tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at HaleyMarketing.com. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You can check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. For my podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.